0: What's up everybody welcome back to the Martian MMA podcast. I am your host and my name is John and this week we are back with episode 95 where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC 248 pay-per-view going down this Saturday night March 7th 2020 from Las Vegas Nevada. This 12 fight card will be aired on UFC Fight Pass, ESPN the TV channel, and ESPN Plus for the pay-per-view main card portion of the event. This card features 12 fights along with two title fights at the top of the main card. It's a great card from top to bottom. I'm expecting some fun fights. The main card I think is actually a really really quality card and I'm really looking forward to Saturday night so let's dive right into things in the first fight of the evening. In the bantamweight division we have Guido Canetti who is 8-4 taking on Dana Batgarel, who is seven and 7-2. The opening betting line for this one was Bacquerel minus 140, Kennedy 110, and right now we are seeing Bacquerel minus 135, Kennedy 115, so not too much line movement on this fight, there is two way action coming in on both sides, and I'm a bit surprised, I honestly thought Bacquerel would be a bit of more of a favorite in this one, because Kennedy is pretty old, he's a 40 year old band weight, he's coming off of a year and a half long layoff and that fight is where he he did look good in round one he won round one versus uh marlon vera hit him with a hard left hand got a takedown um landed some good strikes on vera but in round two when vera started unleashing his own strikes kennedy wilted pretty quickly and got uh rocked and taken down and eventually got choked out he got smashed with some knees in the clinch by Marlon Vera in that fight. And uh, he did have a good performance before that uh, versus uh, Diego Rivas. Really just out-grappled Rivas. Stuffed takedowns. Hit his own takedowns. Outstruck him on the feet in that one. But I just don't think Kennedy is a very good fighter. I think his gas tank tends to drop off pretty heavily after like the 6 or 7 minute mark. And uh, he might rock uh, Bacquerel in round 1 with a hard uh, left hand. or He's got a nice... Uh, left body kick from the southpaw stance but other than catching back early i think that back should take over this fight late i think he's got the better uh boxing he's got the better output he struggled a bit in round one um versus uh Alice hang he got uh dropped a little bit with uh, some right hands i think but recovered quickly he won round two and uh was could have had a could have won the fight in one round three, but it started getting taken down at the end of round three uh, by Alatang. So I mean, think that Bacquerel's first layer of takedown defense looks pretty good. It was only when Alatang started stringing together multiple attempts is when he got taken down. So. Unless Kennedy has a way improved gas tank, which I don't think he will at 40 years old coming off of this long layoff, uh, I think it's Kennedy round one or, or bust for him. He should fade quickly after round one. So uh, it's an interesting betting situation because I, Baccaro only one fight in the UFC. It was a loss. I do think he is the better fighter. and he, I'd cap him around 60-65% for this fight, maybe even heavier than that. Um, but it's just... Hard to lay that chalk on Bacquerel because he's he's pretty inexperienced. Less than 10 fights, only one fight in the UFC. And because I th- Kennedy's best round is round one, and we might see Bacquerel as an underdog if Kennedy closes round one strong and possibly wins the round. So it's an interesting... Um pre-fight decision I think Backerel wins and there is value on minus 135 but you might even get a better number with that plus money after round one so I'd say Bacquerel as a pre-fight bet is pretty safe uh, even if he does lose round one he should take over in rounds two and three possibly get a late finish but my pick is going to be Bacquerel to win by decision the next fight takes place in the featherweight division we have Jamal Emers who is 17 and four taking on Giga Chikadze who is eight and two the opening betting line for this one was Emmer's the favorite at minus one sixty-five to Chikadze plus one thirty-five. Right now we are seeing Emmer's minus one seventy, Chikadze plus one fifty. So a little bit more action coming in on Jamal Emmer's. Although there is two-way action coming in on this fight, uh, some late action came in on Emmer's last night, pushed him down to minus one ninety. But then this morning some action came back. Uh, on uh, Chikadze in this one I actually like Embers in this spot uh, he's making his UFC debut and uh, there's a bit of question marks around him he he comes from a wrestling background but seems to have fallen in love with his striking and really kind of abandoned his wrestling in some of his most recent fights uh, he tends to hit takedowns when they're there but he doesn't really chase them or game plan to to use his wrestling too much the last time we saw him Uh, attack takedowns early and use them consistently throughout a fight was back when he defeated Chris Avila by decision back in 2017 I believe so he's picking up wins uh he he's on a four fight win streak after getting knocked out by that head kick from Julian Arosa on the contender series I mean that's not a good look Julian Arosa not a great fighter not a great striker um but he he managed to, to get knocked out by uh, Arosa in that fight Emmerich just was not throwing enough he wasn't committing to his shots he, he seems to have good kickboxing technique and good long range uh, long size for the weight class but he just doesn't seem that damaging on the feet and uh, he's going against a really high-level striker in Giga Chikadze, uh, former kickboxer, competed in kickboxing at a really high level over in Glory and some other uh, world-renowned promotions so he's no joke on the feet but I think that he his MMA striking is a little underdeveloped. I mean he had a close fight with Brandon Davis struggle with the takedowns of Davis a lot in that fight I mean he got taken down he did not look good off of his back and I mean he did win most of the striking exchanges and win the decision in that fight but it was a very close fight and I think that he showed real weaknesses in his takedown defense and his uh, his get ups his ta- his grappling overall and the next time he faced a good wrestler he- he's probably going to lose and now Emerson is a good wrestler. He has a good takedown ability. He can he can hit takedowns, keeps opposition, got a good top game. Uh, not an overly dominant top game, um, but I, I do think that he will hit takedowns here. I think it'll be a close fight on the feet. I think that Chikadze will probably start winning the exchanges if it stays in the feet for a long amount of time, and then you'll we start to see Emmer's hit takedowns and edge rounds and win a decision. So, at minus 170, it's, it's a tough bet to make because he is making his UFC debut here and there is that unknown element of will. maybe he won't shoot takedowns. Maybe he will be uh, reluctant and keep this fight on the feet like he has his past few fights and maybe get into a dangerous kickboxing match with Chikadze. But I think he will quickly realize that that's not the right decision. He realizes that he has a good matchup in front of him with a bad defensive wrestler and he will likely use his wrestling to hit takedowns and win this fight. And once he starts hitting takedowns, it should be uh, a pretty much a wash from there on out. I don't think Chikadze has the the ability to get off of his back and to uh, start stuffing takedowns. So the pick is going to be Emers by decision. Uh, not the most confident one because it is his UFC debut. But I understand people coming in betting Emers here because Chikadze is also very inexperienced. I mean, Chikadze has one win over an opponent with a winning record, and that's Brandon Davis, who is ten and seven and just got cut from the UFC. So. You know, Chikadze is a pretty low-level fighter in, in MMA terms, and I think the Emres will exploit that here with his wrestling and get it done. So, uh, the pick is, is Emirates decision, and minus one seventy is pretty good value. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Emily Whitmire, who is four and three, taking on Poliana Viana, who is ten and four. The opening betting line for this one was. Whitmire, the minus one hundred five favorite to Vienna, minus one twenty five. Right now, we are seeing Vianna minus minus one twenty, Whitmire plus plus one hundred. So there's two action coming in on this fight. Uh, Whitmire opened at minus one forty on some books, and it seems like the action is pretty steadily coming on Vianna. Um And I, I mean, Vienna at one point was, I believe, plus one fifty five over on uh, Bet Online, and I know some people got in on that line. So that was a great that was a great pick for, for, from there. Definitely some value on plus one fifty five right now where it's at. I think it's I think it's a Whitmire or a past situation. I just I don't think you can be betting Viana as a favorite. Uh, she's on a three fight losing losing streak and her last loss was a bad one. Uh, you know she had two competitive decisions with Aldrich and Cypher. It's not the worst losses but her loss versus Macedo was bad. I mean she got an early takedown was in side control eventually was in half guard and then somehow got armbarred. Uh, off of a crazy transition uh, from, from half guard from Veronica Macedo. I mean, I'll give her Macedo credit. It was a very tricky armbar. I did not see it coming. I mean, I was picking Viana in that fight, and it, it looked to be going good before Macedo just snatched that armbar. But it just shows how weak Poliana really is on the ground. I mean, she prides herself on being a grappler. Most of her wins are by um, submission. But they're over really low level competition, and the only her only UFC win was over Maya Stevenson. It was a nice uh, victory where she got an early takedown, good top pressure, eventually got the rear naked choke in round one. But she struggled on the feet versus Aldrich and Cipher. She really couldn't get takedowns going versus either of them. Resulted to pulling guard a lot, flopping on her back, and just not having much. Uh, Good offense off of her back. I mean, I just think that she's a very submission-heavy grappler. She does not. She's not very positionally sound. And we actually might see Whitmire out grappling Viana here. I mean, these women are not very high-level grapplers. I mean, on paper, Viana seems like the better grappler because she's got like some some bullshit purple belt jiu-jitsu uh, medal from Brazil or something like that that I hear the UFC commentators constantly uh, talking about during her fights. But I mean, Whitmire is a good grappler. Uh, she trains at the better. MMA camp of the two. I think that she's put together better performances in the UFC. I mean, she ran into a brick wall and Reboss in her last fight, um, struggled getting taken down in that fight, and eventually got choked out by Reboss. But, I mean, we learned that Reboss is really good, uh, picking up that win over uh, Dern after that. But she got a quick uh, um, submission over uh, Albu, handled her very well, and then her, her victory over Jamie Moyle was a very complete 15-minute performance where she showed that um, she is, I think, the more well-rounded fighter. I think she's got the better striking technique. Than Viana. I think she's got the better, more consistent offense, more accurate uh, striking, too. So, I mean, Viana just strikes me as a very sloppy kickboxer. She pulls her head back in a straight line. Very bad boxing defense. I mean, Hannah Cyphers and, and Aldrich were able to outstrike her pretty easily. And as long as Whitmire can avoid getting stuck on her back, avoid getting the takedowns, um, I think that she should be in a pretty good spot here. Even if she does get taken down, not overly impressed with Viana's top game to the point where I think that Whitmire could threaten with submissions, get, get off of her back, and maybe even reverse position and end up on top. So... I'm giving uh, a little bit too much credit to Whitmire, I guess. I mean, she is a four and three fighter, uh, so I mean, I, you can't really take my analysis too seriously for this fight because anything can happen in, in these fights. They're, they're so low level that uh, stuff like an armbar from half guard can can happen out of nowhere, 90 seconds into the fight, like like Viana's last fight. So um, it's it's a tough fight to pick because it's so low level. But I am picking Whitmire by decision here. I think I bet her a few weeks ago at minus 120, just just on uh, an intuition type of pick I just know how bad Viana is the the betting market is seeming to disagree with me as she's now the underdog Uh, I might hedge out I might add more and you never know on Whitmire Uh, I might just keep it as is too, just letting my minus 120 ride because uh, I do think Whitmire wins this fight um, by decision so the pick is Whitmire by decision but it's probably a pass uh, because it's just so sloppy so low level the next fight takes place in the middleweight division we have Darren Wynn who is 6 and 1 taken on Gerald Meerhart who is 30 and 12. The opening betting line for this one was win -150, Meerhart +130. Right now we are seeing win -140, Meerhart +120. So, two-way action coming in on this fight. Um people are betting both sides in this one. It's a really close matchup and uh bit under impressed with Darren Wynn so far or Duran Wynn I think is his, his name I'm mispronouncing it but he's a really short stocky guy really small for the weight class he's like 5'6 he comes from a wrestling background cha- chains at a uh, aka with DC um, and his his UFC debut against Spicely was a good performance he had a really high output his boxing was on display he threw like 150 strikes in that fight he landed 170 punches in that fight so massive output he looked good in that fight and and outstruck Spicely all three rounds. Then his fight versus Stewart was a bit of a head-scratcher. I mean, he goes real hard for the wrestling in round one. He wasn't really keeping Stewart down, and he looked a bit gassed out after round one, and he lost rounds two and three of that fight. He was getting outstruck in the feet. He... Was able to get a takedown or two in those last few rounds, but just wasn't able to do much for top, on top position. I'm really unimpressed with Wynn's top game. He seems to have good takedowns and good wrestling ability, but it just doesn't translate to MMA that well because his top game, his top pressure isn't good. He doesn't have much jujitsu. He doesn't have much ground and pound to go along with his takedowns. So he's pretty much just pure takedowns and really struggles after that. Now, getting over to GM3, you know, a very, very uh, frustrating, confusing fighter at times. I mean, he's lost a few close decisions lately because he t- tends to make some uh, some bad in-fight decisions, bad fight IQ decisions. He tends to not have the highest output at times when he needs to uh, in close fights. I mean, that Anders fight, I mean, clear as day. Daryl Mishart won rounds two and three of that fight. I mean... You you hate to, to to use the word robbery when it's a close 29-28 type of fight, but I mean, those rounds are so, so easy to score, and GM3 won rounds two and three of that fight, so, and even the fight versus Kevin Holland uh, a while back, I mean, that fight was so sloppy, I did not rewatch it this week, but. A lot of people say that GM3 should have won that fight, and GM3 is pretty consistently an underdog. I mean, he's been an underdog in his past five fights, and besides the Hermanson loss, I mean, he's been the value side in all of those fights. So four out of five fights, he's been a good bet at that plus money, and I think this is another fight where he's going to be a good bet at plus money because on the feet, I think that Mirchart has the better overall kickboxing. He showed some good head movement, some good defensive boxing versus Andrews' last fight, and when I mean, I think he's very basic on the feet. I mean, he just marched forward and threw bombs versus Spicely, but there was not much technique involved there. I mean, he was just winging punches and had good cardio in that fight. So on the feet in this one, I think uh, Mirchart will have the better technique. He will be evading shots, evading the punches from Wynn. It's just he does not have good striking output. So even if he is the better striker like he was versus Anders, sometimes his output just isn't quite there for him to definitively win the rounds. Now, in the grappling aspect of things here, I think that Wynn will probably look to hit takedowns here. But GM3 is not very hard to hold down I mean his takedown defense is not good his first layer but his reversals his submissions off of his back I mean he's very good on the mat he's a legit black belt and he can escape a heavy top position like he did versus Giles he can reverse you he can do all types of great stuff on the ground so if Win takes GM3 down I don't expect him to keep him down I think that we might see Mearshaw reverse end up on top threaten with submissions or just get back up to the feet and continue to outstrike Win here so best pass to victory for win would be to keep this fight standing and to try to out volume your short on the feet because I mean, he should do that. I mean, he, he landed 170 punches when he was just striking. So assuming his cardio is up to par, up to par here, he should easily out-volume Mearshart on the feet if he's thrown that, that heavy volume versus Mearshart's typical low volume. But if he decides to mix in the grappling like he tends to do, like his instincts tell him to do, his wrestling background, I think he probably starts to gas out and we start to see GM3 get the better position on the ground and see GM3 take over this fight as it goes. So I do think Win has a path to victory in this fight. It's not a super confident pick on Mearshart here, but I am picking and betting Mearshart at that plus money. I think at plus 130, he's a good bet. And I think that um, Wynn, I mean, you cannot be betting him as a favorite after that last fight. He, he gassed out pretty bad. He struggled holding Stewart down. Uh, his striking did not look nearly as good as it did versus Spicely and I think GM3's striking looked really good versus Anders last fight and of course he had that come from behind uh, choke out victory over uh, Giles before that so uh, I think uh, GM3 is still improving while uh, Wynn is kind of, I don't know, he he's still improving too, very early in his MMA career. But I'm just pretty unimpressed with Wynn's uh, with M- overall MMA game. Don't really think AKA is the right place for him. To, I mean, it's it's just a bad gym in terms of improving the holes in your game. Um, you know, you see a lot of fighters leave AKA like, like Rockhold did because they just don't have the right uh, coaching ability there sometimes. So I think that uh, GM3 wins this fight and I'm picking him to win by decision. The next fight takes place in the middleweight division. We have Rodolfo Vieira, who is 6-0, taking on Sapabeg Safarov, who is 9-2. The opening betting line for this one was Vieira, minus 200 to Safarov, plus 160. Right now, we are seeing Vieira, minus 650 to Safarov, plus 475. So, pretty crazy opening line. I think that's the first time I've actually realized that he opened minus 200, and Needless to say, massive amount of action came in on Vieira. I mean, that could have been a line error as well. I'm seeing, I think he might have opened a bet online at minus 200. Immediately got a bet down to minus 700. So, could have been a line error. Could have just been a terribly set line by the odds maker. But I think Vieira being around minus 400, minus 500 seems accurate for this fight because. Uh, I mean, based on principle, Vieira is a 6 and 0 fighter. He's a very muscly, juice head type looking guy. He um, has not fought to a decision before, has only been in round three one time. And, I mean, he looked a bit gassy versus Oscar Pachota last fight. I mean, he got some uh, early takedowns in round one, expended a lot of energy, and looked a bit spent on the stool, but still fought well in round two, got this takedown, and got the submission. But. I mean, for Vieira, a guy, a jiu-jitsu background type of guy who – Doesn't have great striking. He's got decent fundamental striking, but not great. And has never gone the decision, only six fights in MMA. I don't see how he can be a justified um, minus 700 favorite here. Especially against a a well-rounded fighter like Safarov. I mean, Safarov is a very flawed fighter. He's sloppy. His fights in the UFC have been absolutely hilarious to watch so far. I mean, his last fight against Narek him blatantly grabbing the cage, breaking the rules ten times it was such a weird thing to see but him at the same time dominating the fight heavy heavy ground and pound I mean he got on top of Nergamanu and hit him with some of the most vicious ground and pound I've ever seen I mean the sounds it was making on the camera it was just crazy but the reason why Vieira is the favorite in this fight such a prohibitive favorite is uh, he is the gold medal ADCC champion in 2015 at 99 kilograms which is I believe well over 200 pounds so he was the best grappler in the world at well over 200 pounds in nogi jiu-jitsu uh just a few years ago so i mean it, his jiu-jitsu is pretty much as high level as it gets in the ufc and i think safarov will likely be uh pretty much drowning on the mat here versus uh, Vieira. but uh, i mean i think it's mostly out of wiki capping for this fight because safarov you see that he got tapped out by um tyson pedro with a kimura not a good look but i mean i think that i mean he, i still think he's a pretty lifelong grappler it comes from a sambo background he won't be hopeless on the mat i mean he will be in danger maybe he can defend a, a takedown or two maybe he can get off of his back with a, a nice explosion like oscar pachota did but i mean i think that safarov will likely get taken down get tapped out on the map but on the feet it's going to be pretty even i mean Vieira's striking is very limited he seems to know it's limited he only fires out a jab occasionally we have not seen him strike very much and uh, I think Safarov is the better striker he's more dangerous he's got the the I don't know maybe he's got better kicks than than, uh, Vieira as well Vieira doesn't really kick at all just pretty much marches forward boxes and looks for takedowns so I think Vieira is just too too much of a linear fighter he's too inexperienced we have not seen him late in the fight and I mean Safarov is incredibly durable he is not uh not easy to take down he's not not going to be easy to submit and he's going to be dangerous on the feet here so I think uh, Vieira at minus 400 Safarov plus 350 that would be an appropriate line here and it's definitely dog dogger pass at where it's at now. I'm picking Vieira to get the submission in this one Um, but I mean, I think that there is value on Safarov at plus 475 uh i mean he was plus 500 5 or 600 earlier in the week he might shoot back up to plus 5 or 600 uh once the line margins tightening up after the weigh ins too so i think safarov is worth like a half a unit value bet it'll probably be a funny fight as while it lasts uh one uh, last note about the fight is that safarov is dropping down to 185 in this one has fought his entire career at 205 pounds and always been a flappy chubby guy at 205 I mean, maybe he comes in here very disciplined, makes 185, he's taking this fight seriously, he's dieting and down for the first time in his career. Maybe he comes in here and pulls off this crazy upset, but the look, for, look out for Safarov on the scales tomorrow. I mean, I have a feeling he misses weight, doesn't seem like the most disciplined type of guy, and dropping down 20 pounds in weight is not easy for any fighter to do. Uh, let alone a pretty lackadaisical fighter like Safarov, who grabs the cage ten times during a fight. So uh, the pick, once again, is Vieira submission round two. Could see a decision, and uh, it's going to be a, a dog or pass situation in the betting window. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Marco Madsen, who is nine and zero, taking on Austin Hubbard, who is eleven and three. The opening betting line for this one was madsen minus 750 to hubbard plus 450 right now we are seeing madsen minus 225 to hubbard plus 185 so crazy line movement in this one uh, i mean up- you know, this is it might be another case of a, a bad opening line in this one, but apparently Madsen opened minus 225 over on bet online and minus 675 or something like that on five dimes. So who really knows what the real opening betting line for this one was. Let's just talk about the matchup and how it goes. Madsen is a former... Uh, silver medalist in the olympics in 2016 so you know what his his background is it's wrestling he is pretty much a wrestle boxer throws a, a few punches getting into the pocket and then shoots on you he's got a good top game vicious ground and pound can even hit some submissions from time to time too Uh, I mean his UFC debut was um, he got the job done he got a quick knockout in that one didn't really see much though he failed some takedown attempts early eventually got his third takedown attempt on Beluardo, and then just smashed him against the cage with ground and pound getting that early knockout and Hubbard uh, actually had a pretty decent win the last fight. He was getting outstruck by Prepolik in round one, but then uh, adapted, started out grappling Preplik in rounds two and three, and uh, basically kept Preplic on his back for those that last ten minutes of that fight and was able to win a decision after uh, struggling early. And even his fight against Davi Hamos, I mean, he was getting outstruck by Hamos. He got taken down a few times. He defended some submissions well, defended some, some passes, got off of his back a few times. Um, but eventually, he got held down in round three. He was a bit tired, and um, one one fight about Hubbard that you got to look at is this fight with Eric Wisely. It was a five round fight from a few years back, and he was just taken down and and kept on his back in five round all five rounds of that fight. So, I mean Hubbard's takedown defense is notoriously not very good. And based on that fact alone, you got to favor Madsen here. I mean, the Olympic caliber wrestler, he he should not struggle too hard at all getting Hubbard down. It's really just if Hubbard can get back up to his feet, if maybe Madsen guesses out and um, maybe – goes hard for that early finish doesn't get it and then Hubbard maybe comes back in the last two rounds like he did versus Prepolik. um but I mean Madsen is his game is a bit limited like I said it's just pretty much wrestle boxer just likes to close distance on the feet he's great on the ground he's got great um ground and pound submissions top game everything but I think that uh on the feet in this one Hubbard should should be the better striker should have the better overall striking game he's definitely going to be the better kicker um And we could see Hubbard stuff takedowns and outstrike Madsen on the feet here. I mean, it's very possible, but from what I've seen of of Hubbard's takedown defense so far, I don't think that he will avoid the takedown. I think uh, he backs himself up to the cage a little bit too much. Um, He's just going to move backwards when Madsen starts pressuring him instead of counter-striking and eventually gets taken down over and over again. And uh, we likely see Madsen grind out takedowns over and over and gets a decision. He does have a few wins by decision, just hitting takedowns and all three rounds keep in top position and staying safe so I think that's more likely here uh, with Hubbard who is a, a sort of dangerous opponent Hubbard's best path to victory here would be a, a striking knockout just standing his ground and not backing up and looking to counter strike Madsen and knock him out uh, the much and much less experienced striker. so the pick is Madsen by decision I was uh I was able to bet him at minus 194 a few weeks ago. He is now minus at minus 225. So I did get some very good value on Madsen there. But I'm not, I'm not exactly in love with the bet. I might end up hedging out of it. But uh, we will see what my final tracked plays are on my bet MMA tips page, which is available on my Twitter and my YouTube caption or my YouTube description. So that'll be be where my final plays are and we're going to move on to the last prelim on the card in the Bantamweight division. We have Jose Alberto Quinones who is 8 and 3 taking on Sean O'Malley who is 10 and 0. The opening betting line for this one was O'Malley -352, Quinones +275. Right now we are seeing O'Malley -372, Quinones +310. So this fight is finally happen- happening. It's been scheduled a few times before, but uh, I believe O'Malley may be pulled out, had a USA suspension. O'Malley is actually coming off of a two-year layoff since his last decision win over Andre Sukumdot. And Quinona is coming off of a, a nice victory over Carlos Huachin. Uh, Huachin is not a good opponent and has been cut from the UFC since that loss. But Quinona's got the job done, outstruck him on the feet, took him down, outgrappled him there. Stayed very safe in that fight. I mean, barely got hit at all. He dropped uh, Huachin in round one. So it's just a good overall performance from Quinona, striking. Uh, Grappling, takedowns, cardio, it all looked good. He's a very well-rounded fighter and... Having rewatched O'Malley's fight with Sukumta earlier this week was the first time I saw it in a while, and I was pretty pleasantly surprised. I mean, his striking is legitimately good, his boxing is sharp, his in-and-out movement is good, he switches stances very well, throws kicks, uh, throws a lot of spinning techniques, has a very high output, good accuracy. So, I mean, Sukumta fought absolutely atrocious in that fight, though. I mean, that's worth mentioning. Sukumtot didn't take one step forward Sukumtot didn't throw one combination I mean he he's just a terrible fighter in his own right and O'Malley dealt with him accordingly but did hurt his foot in round three of that fight lost round three getting taken down and just stuck on his back and but still was able to win the decision and a big worry from O'Malley is when he's getting pushed back, when he's uh, when an opponent is standing in his face, pressuring him, throwing volume at him like Tarion Ware did, he struggles a bit. I mean, he lost round two versus on Ware. He got hit like 40 times in that fight. I mean, he was throwing his own shots back. It was not a, a dominant round for Ware. But... Where definitely landed the harder shots and won the round and I think O'Malley just that just proves that O'Malley is just uh, pretty inexperienced. We have not really seen him tested a- at all yet uh, and I think the Quinones is, is probably a good test here. I mean O'Malley deserves to be the favorite. I'd say minus 200 minus 300 is appropriate because he has a pretty sizable striking advantage on the feet in this one. Quinones has good striking. He he is not bad in any area of the striking but I just think that O'Malley is way better he's way faster w- with the way he throws his strikes more diverse offense higher output and it's going to be hard for Quinones to be uh, even competitive on the feet versus O'Malley but in the grappling aspect of things I mean I think these guys are very evenly matched I might even slightly um, give an advantage to Quinones because he's the better top position guy he's the one who typically goes for takedowns likes to stay in top position he's not a very adamant passer I mean I kind of like that in this fight because I mean if you take a guy down and, and you're in half guard you can keep half guard for a few minutes and win that round or you can try really hard to pass the side control to pass the mount and then you might lose the position but I think Quinones has a pretty conservative grappling style doesn't like passing the guard too much and versus Huachin he just stayed in side control stayed in half guard and and didn't do too much and just won the round i mean he he earned his takedowns and he got his his value out of those takedowns in the judge's mind so I think that um based on the, the the layoff from o'Malley based on the fact that we he does not seem to do well being pressured and based on the fact that he doesn't look great off of his back he attempted a triangle versus uh um Sukumtot off of his back Sukumtot defended that uh, that uh, submission attempt and was able to pass his guard into side control eventually uh, O'Malley worked his way up backed up to his feet with a submission attempt but I just think that there is an ability for O'Malley to be out grappled here and with his style that is prone to gassing we might see him come in off that long layoff try to get that early knockout and then might gas out so I agree with O'Malley being minus 300, but there is clear value on Quinonas at plus 300 I think anything above plus two fifty would be value. So I've got one unit on Quinones at plus three fifteen. Uh, I think that he will have some moments in this fight and make it look close. But ultimately, o- O'Malley decision is still going to be my pick. I still think the stri- striking discrepancy is a bit too wide to pick um, Quinones in this one, and the grappling is a bit too close to think that Quinones has a massive advantage to give him uh, that victory in this one. So it's going to be a close fight. Quinones could pull off the victory. I- I'm really looking forward to this fight the pick is O'Malley by decision but we got one unit on Quinones at plus 315 so that brings us to the main card five fight main card starting things off in the welterweight division we have Alex Oliveira who is 28-1 t- taking on Max Griffin who is 15 and 15-7 the opening betting line for this one was Oliveira the minus 215 favorite to Griffin plus 175 right now we are seeing Griffin minus 142 or, excuse me, Oliveira minus 140 to Griffin plus 120. So, more action coming in on the Griffin as the underdog. And totally rightfully so. I like Griffin in this fight. I'm actually pretty confident in Max Griffin. Um, despite both of these guys being uh, a bit a bit hard fighter to predict. I mean, they both tend to have bad IQ. They might slow down in round 3 a little bit. But, I think both of them actually looked pretty good in round 3 of their last fight. Olivera had a a tough fight with um, Nicholas Dalby. Won round one, lost round two, and actually hit takedowns. And was on his way to winning round three before the referee uh, stood them up and kind of fucked Olivera over and basically gave uh, Dalby the win. Dalby ended up getting top position and stealing that third round and getting him the decision win. So, and Griffin in his last fight. He lost the decision to Alex Morono, but I think he still fought well throughout that fight. He won a few minutes of the first round before kind of letting up his output and letting Morono take over the round, stealing the round. Fought well in round two again. Same thing, though. His output dropped off at the end of the round, ended up getting dropped with a head kick. I mean, he got dropped with a head kick and ate five knees, five punches to the head, and still didn't get knocked out. Griffin has got a chin on him. He's really, really durable and... Then in round three, Griffin came back and won that round clearly. So, I mean, he won a lot of that fight versus Morono despite losing a, a 29-28 unanimous decision. And Oliveira, despite losing a tw- unanimous 29-28 decision, he won a lot of that fight versus Dolby too. But I think that Oliveira has just looked like a shell of himself lately. I think that his durability has gone down. I mean, his cardio has always been an issue. It, round one is his best round. It's He has a steep drop off in cardio after that. And Oliveira's style is just pretty bad for winning rounds. He likes explosive bursts of offense, likes going for that knockout, and... He just does not have consistent output. He does not have very technical striking. And I think that Griffin will be the better boxer here. He should be landing the better punches, more consistent output throughout the rounds. And he, and Griffin has ability to hit takedowns too. He's got good wrestling. He hits takedowns at a pretty high rate. Not the greatest top control, but Oliveira tends to not have good getups either. He can be taken down. He can wilt a little bit in the later fights or in the later rounds of the fight. Like He can get taken down and just not have the energy. Not have the will to get back up sometimes, so I, I favor Griffin in this one to have the better output on the feet, to be the better uh, technical striker. I think he's got the better defense, um, better footwork too. Oliveira just gets gets off balance and throws sloppy strikes all the time, and I got to favor Griffin to have the better cardio. He he looked good in round three versus Morono. He landed three or four takedowns versus Morono last fight, and I think that when those when these rounds are close. It, Griffin having that, that ability to hit takedowns in in his back pocket is going to be huge here. And I think that those eventually sways the rounds for Griffin. So I think I favor Griffin on the feet and on the ground. So getting plus money on him is great. I got one unit on him at plus 130 and might even look to add more. Um, would would be even more confident like a three or four unit situation on Griffin if he was a little bit more of a reliable fighter, but he also doesn't have the the greatest output at times. Like he like those fights uh, with Morona I was mentioning, he just isn't the best round winner. He's a good minute winner, but not the best round winner. So I'm still favoring Griffin here. The pick is Griffin by decision and one unit plus one thirty. The next fight takes place in the welterweight division. We have Neil Magny, who is twenty-one and seven, taking on Li Jingliang, who is seventeen and five. The opening betting line for this one was. Jing Liang, minus 270, to Magani, plus 210. Right now, we are seeing Jing Liang, minus 175, Magani, plus 155. So, line margins tightening up in this one, rightfully so. I think that opening line was set a bit too high. Definitely some recency bias from Jing Liang, coming off one of his best performances, getting that third-round knockout over Zaleski Dos Santos. I mean, just dominated Santos in the striking in that fight, and it was a good win, dropped him in round one, hurt him in round three, and got that t k o so uh Jing Liang I think has been getting a lot better lately. his striking looks sharp, he's always had a crisp striking technique, but I really think he's coming into his own in his past few fights he's gotten a few late finishes and Uh, He really only struggles with uh, getting taken down and getting caught on the chin. I mean he he tends to get rocked in uh, almost all his fights. He did well uh, in the Zaleski fight not getting hit but I mean pretty much all of his fights before that he eventually gets hits, hits with a shot and does the chicken dance or gets wobbly for a second but not a big concern here versus Magny. Magni is a pretty weak hitter. He does not have uh, good power. He doesn't have good volume, doesn't have good pressure. I mean, Magny is just a pretty t- pretty uh, tough fighter to bet on, a difficult fighter to watch sometimes. He's coming off of a long layoff. His last fight was uh, he took a beating versus Santiago Ponzinibbio back in November of 2018. He got leg kicked a lot in that fight, lit up with straight punches, and eventually got knocked out in the fourth round but it's good he took some time off since then uh but he, he's at the end of his career he hasn't been hasn't been doing so well lately i mean he did pick up a nice victory over carlos condit um not too long ago a knockout over craig craig white but uh, i think he's at the tail end of his career um no real reason to be hating on Magny too much here. I mean, I still I think he could very well win this fight just because it's a weird matchup. It's Both of these guys are they're likely going to strike with one another. They're both real long kickboxers. And Jing Liang tends to start a little slow. He doesn't have the most consistent volume. And I think that Magny's technique it will pre- go pretty hand-in-hand hand with Jing Liang here. And as long as Magny is... Uh, Willing to throw, you know, willing to let his hands go, willing to let his leg kicks go and all his good weapons, his his front kick, and be a little aggressive here. I mean, he could make this a fight and possibly win. It's just he, he doesn't really have that, that aggressive style. He doesn't throw with much power and i think that jing liang will will likely just bully him here just being the more uh, aggressive guy uh looking to cut off the cage better throwing the harder cleaner strikes and i think that jing liang slightly edges the decision here another uh an instance where i think statistics might come into mind here is that uh, Jing Liang lands about 3.8 strikes per minute to Magni's 2.8. So he lands one more strike per minute and Jing Liang gets hit about half as much as Magni. Magni gets landed on 2.5 times per minute while Jing Liang is 1.25 times per minute. So Jing Liang lands more than Magni and gets hit less than Magni statistically. So it's gonna be hard for Magni to win this fight uh, based on that, but Magni's got a sneaky wrestling. He can maybe mix the stuff up. He's got a good clinch game. And if Magny can get into the clinch, can mix in his takedowns here, he can make this a fight and possibly steal a decision here. Um, But the pick is going to be Jing Liang by decision. I think he avoids the clinch, avoids the takedown, and outstrikes Magny uh, to a decision here. So Jing Liang is the pick. In terms of the betting window now, I'd say it's Dogger pass just because Jing Liang is not the most reliable guy. And I think that Magni, with the right game plan, could win this fight here. So the, it's a pass in the terms of the betting window now. And the pick is Jing Liang by decision. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Benil Daryush, who is 17-4-1, taking on Jakar Close, who is 11-1-1. One one. The opening betting line for this one was Daryush, the favorite, at minus 155 to close plus 125. Right now, we are seeing Daryush minus 165 to close plus 145. So, more action coming in on Benil Daryush, although there's two way action coming in on both sides. Definitely more on Daryush's side, rightfully so. I think this is actually a pretty good matchup for Benil Daryush and a pretty nightmare matchup for Close. I mean, Close's biggest problem is getting backed up to the cage getting taken down, giving up his back when he gets taken down. And, I mean, that's really what Daryush is a master at. He pushes you to the cage. He's got such incredible grappling against the cage. I mean, he's got good takedowns. He knows how to keep top position against the cage. I mean, the way he out-grappled Moises against the cage was, you know, a thing of beauty. And he's done that to a lot of his fighters. I mean, if you look at the way he submitted uh, Dober, he did that against the cage. He submitted Camacho against the cage. Um... And I mean his performance against Camacho was just amazing. I mean, he comes out there, starts landing left hands, landing body kicks, outstriking and hurting Camacho. Times a beautiful takedown, takes the back and rear naked chokes him. I mean, it was just such a beautiful performance from Daryush. I was picking and betting Camacho that fight, and I was I was stunned and rewatching it, I was still stunned. I mean Daryush is a guy whose athleticism seems to come and go. I mean the Uh, some fights he looks athletic and has good cardio some fights he gasses out a little bit and I mean he looked great in that last fight though I mean maybe he had a good cycle or something like that before that that Camacho fight but uh, you got to be pretty high on Darius right now coming off of that first round finish coming off of that come from behind victory over Drew Dober that win looks a lot better now the Dober is on a hot streak in close uh, lost last or lost round one versus Yago's last fight, but eventually came or was losing round two but then eventually was able to escape a rear naked choke attempt and uh, Start taking over round two, land some damage and then win round three pretty clearly once Yago's cl- gassed out later in that fight but I mean Close got taken down in that fight by Yagos. He gave up his back twice to Yagos. He got his back taken by Yagos. So I just think that Close has a major, major problem with getting backed up to the cage, getting taken down, giving up his back. The three things I said in the beginning of this fight. And based on that, I just think that Darius will take him down, will take his back, and will get the rear naked choke here. So the pick is Darius by second round uh, rear naked choke. And maybe Close gets a a knockout on the feet. Maybe we see improved footwork from him. Maybe he hurts uh, Darush with those leg kicks. He's got great calf kicks, and maybe will slow down the movement of Daryush and not allow him to pressure him, not allow him to get those takedowns. But uh, I think that the, the the betting value on this one was on, is on uh, Daryush. I don't see much value in close. I mean, maybe betting close by knockout or something like that might be a, a good uh, prop stab for this one, close TKO, plus 625. Not not a bad uh, value at all. Um, so the the pick, uh, once again, is Dariush, second round. Mission. The next fight is the co main event of the evening for the Women's Strawweight Championship. We have champion Wei Li Zhang, who is 20 and 1, taking on Joanna Yadjadjak, who is 16 and 3. The opening betting line for this one was Zhang, the minus 175 favorite, to Joanna plus 135. Right now we are seeing Zhang minus 170, Joanna plus 150. So There is a lot of action coming in on this fight. I mean, most of the action is coming in on Weili Zhang, which is uh, pretty shocker to me. I mean, we got the former champion, Yajic. The much more UFC experience, fought and beat the much better competition, has... A ton of five round experience, you know, been in so many championship title fights. you six and three in championship title fights, as opposed to, or six and three in, yeah, six and three in uh, championship five rounders versus uh, Wei Li Zhang, who is one and oh and has not fought past uh, the 72nd mark of a five rounder. So, i'm i'm you can already tell that i'm siding with yoana in this one i think that the value at plus 150 is honestly insane i I honestly cap this fight at as yoana at minus 150 zhang plus 130 i have yoana as the favorite in my opinion and i think it's a pretty pretty clear to see once you once you watch these two on tape and what you could see is that in the distance, the distance striking, that Yoana is the much better striker. She is much more comfortable staying on the, uh, the outside, staying at kicking range, using her straight punches, her leg kicks, her front kicks than Zhang is. Zhang likes getting into the pocket, getting into the clinch, maybe getting a a trip takedown, doing some work from top position. She's got good uh, top game, good ground and pound, good submissions, but her takedowns are too sloppy. Uh, I think that they're mostly muscle. They're mostly just grabbing a body lock and just retching her opponent to the ground, and it's worked a few times against Tisha Torres, and it worked against... um, Jessica Aguilar but it's not going to work against Joanna because Joanna has not only some of the best clinching in the UFC or the women's UFC division is she also has some of the best takedown defense I mean her performance against Andrade years back a master class stuff so many takedowns outstruck Andrade moving backwards just put on a clinic a 25 minute perfect clinic from Joanna in that fight and you could say the same about a lot of her fights i mean the laterno fight she dominated Esparza, dominated Pene. she dominated Watterson last fight dominated torres i mean i think that Joanna has just has has so much better uh, so much better resume she's done better work recently i mean even her her last fight against waterson was a five round performance her striking her output her clinch game her takedown defense her cardio everything looked like it was in her prime i mean she didn't look Quite as fierce, quite as active as she maybe did back in 2013, 14, 15. But I mean, she is still fighting at an incredibly high level. And I do not think Joanna has regressed much at all. And when it comes down to it, 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 in the striking, the the distance striking, I favor Yoanna uh, at range. Inside the pocket, I think Zhang could make this fight close if she lets her hands go. When she throws in combinations, she's actually pretty good, but she throws a lot, way too many single punches, and uh, I'm just overall unimpressed with her, her UFC tenure so far. She lost a round two to Danielle Taylor. Struggled with the outfighting of Danielle Taylor. Got caught with a couple hard right hands from Taylor and you know did put in a good performance against uh torres but i mean that was a sloppy fight the takedowns in that fight were sloppy good dominating aguilar but that's not an impressive win at this point so uh i'm giving a, a lot of credit here to to Ioana. uh not too much to Zhang, because i mean Zhang was just plus 170 versus Andraj. That fight lasted 70 seconds. She did get the first round knockout, but I mean, that result does not really mean much. I mean, that was a first round knockout. Andraj ran str- face first into those punches and she was bound to get caught and knocked out at some point and Zhang touched that chin. She swarmed her, got the finish. I mean, it was a very good perf- finish, but Zhang has not shown good power in the UFC besides that. And Joanna is not gonna just march into her with her face forward like uh, did and eat left hooks to the chin so Zhang's power is is being massively overrated right now I mean people think she's some huge hitter after that last fight but I I can assure you that she's not and would be really really shocked at a knockout from Zhang here I actually think a Yoana knockout is much much more likely than Zhang getting one so Zhang's path to victory in this fight is going to be getting into the pocket consistently, is going to be uh, outboxing Joanna, and to not let Joanna's kicks go unchecked. The way that Rose Namajunas was able to beat Joanna was by throwing punches in combination, was by having good in and out footwork, and was not letting Joanna get free leg kicks. You know, every time Joanna threw a leg kick, she was countering. And I don't think Zhang has shown that ability. I mean, I'm not impressed with Zhang's counter-striking at all. I think she was pretty confused while outfighting Danielle Taylor. And it's going to be... She's going to be really confused here versus Ioana. Sorry about the music coming in just now. Um, But... I'll wrap this up here <clears throat> I, I I cap Yoanna 150 I have two units on her at plus 150 well, I'm looking to add more because there's I'm telling you 100 points of value on this fight right now the odds currently have her at 40 percent I think her chances are more like 60 percent so you're getting some massive massive value on Ioana Check in the betting lines right now I think Yoanna goes into this fight outstrikes Zhang at distance likely wins 49 46 could even see a fourth or fifth round stoppage from joanna here so i think Yoanna turns back the clock gets her belt back and puts on another impressive uh striking clinic here versus Zhang um so the pick is Joanna by decision the next fight is the main event of the evening for the UFC middleweight championship we have champion Israel Adesanya who is undefeated at 18 and 0 taking on Joel Romero who is 13 and 4 The opening betting line for this one was Adesanya minus 185 to Romero plus 145. Right now we are seeing Adesanya minus 270 to Romero plus 230. So much more action coming in on the favorite, the champion Israel Adesanya. And I agree with uh, early action coming in. I think where the line is at now though, I think it is a dogger pass situation. And I think that the value has officially shifted to Yoel Romero at over plus 200 and man what a great fight let's just first say this uh Romero despite he's coming off of a a couple losses in a row two losses in a row um to the champion uh Whitaker and uh, of course his last fight to Costa but I mean he's just such a, a a notorious fighter he's such a fan favorite he's such a dangerous fighter at all times that the UFC gave him a title shot and the fans don't even seem to be too mad about it Uh, Costa was on the sideline he didn't accept the fight so I mean it's Romero's fight and it should be a really exciting fight and this is a tricky matchup for Israel Adesanya because I think Israel Adesanya is at best when his opponents are throwing a lot of volume when they're active and he can counter strike when he can make reads when he can time you like when you think about it Robert Whittaker actually fought Israel Adesanya in like the worst way possible I mean he was charging Israel he was not throwing a uh, clean technique he was leaving his head out there his defense was not good and he eventually got counter struck dropped at the end of the first round and knocked out early in the second round and I mean that was an incredible performance from Israel he was just counter punching Whitaker so hard that for the first time we saw Whitaker finished. I don't know. Whitaker got knocked out way back in the day by Wonderboy. But, I mean, he was eating Yoel Romero haymakers, getting dropped, and was still durable enough to get up. I mean, maybe the Yoel fights took some some life out of Romero. I mean, or Whitaker. I mean, I think they definitely did. I mean, you go 10 rounds with Yoel Romero, and you are never the same. Um... And I think that eventually the the damage that uh, Whitaker took in those fights accumulated and Israel Adesanya was able to capitalize on that, getting that second round knockout in his last fight, unifying his belts. But Romero does not have that style that I just mentioned. He does not have a consistent output style. And he's just a hard fighter to make reads on because he, as Jimmy Smith said years back, he is a... a unload and reload fighter and he explodes in in bursts of offense and then he waits and he, he reloads he gets his breath back he looks for openings and then he explodes again he he is so powerful and quick despite him being 42 years old he is still one of the best athletes honestly in the world uh is yoel romero and he is just so dangerous at all times and because uh Israel Adesanya struggled a little bit versus Kelvin Gaston, who's got a, kind of a similar style. He's a southpaw, mostly boxing, and doesn't have very consistent volume, likes exploding and trying to hurt you with punches like Romero does. And, you know, Israel struggled a bit. He got caught in round one, got dropped a little bit, got caught in round four with the head kick. Uh, got wobbled and uh, You know was eventually able to win that fight 48 46 winning rounds two and three convincingly and dominating round five to a 10-8 round Practically knocking uh, Gaslam out in the end of that fight But I, I just think that we saw some some struggles from Adesanya in that fight when when uh When Gaslam would explode with that left hand out of nowhere. He would catch Israel from time to time Israel was a bit hittable in that fight Got his lip busted a little bit, but eventually was able to withstand those punches and come back with harder shots. He dropped Gaslam multiple times, knocked him down like four times in that fight, and his kicks were great, and... You know, ultimately, I think a similar outcome to that Kelvin Gastelum fight happens here, where we see Yoel clip uh, Rome, or Israel a few times, maybe drop him, maybe Israel looks like he's hurt from time to time, and but eventually we see Israel come back with the better offense, with the better offense down the stretch, and eventually winning more rounds to, to win this decision versus Romero here. The biggest factor I think in in Israel's favor is his kicks, and because. Paulo Costa was launching body kicks at Romero and Romero just wasn't countering them. I mean, he was getting hit with these flush body kicks and just had no response. I mean, he was just seemingly ate them and just kept walking i mean he he just did not fire back and that's a terrible terrible habit and if he lets he does that against israel he's going to get eaten up with volume he's going to get lit up with body kicks lit up with head kicks and israel's kicks are a massive advantage for him in this in this fight so i think we see israel use his kicking game his reach advantage his straight punches to avoid trading in the pocket with romero where romero is so dangerous and uh, the takedowns you always got to think about the takedowns from romero Romero does not use his takedowns as a game plan he doesn't go in there and say I'm going to take you down this round this round I'm going to win a decision he uses them reactively if he sees the opportunity for it he'll shoot if he thinks it's a close round and it's uh it could go either way he shoots at the end of the round like he did versus Costa so his wrestling technique is still there he's still got a great uh, blast double he's still got a huge wrestling a plethora of takedowns in his back pocket and he times them really well too he just does not use them as as frequent as you would like but I mean with the way uh, Israel has struggled with this takedown defense I mean it's gotten better he's he's not really been put in a bad spot uh, in the UFC he's gotten taken down by a few guys Wilkinson Vittori even got taken down by uh, Gastelum a few times but he bounced back up to his feet he defended well and he outstruck all of those guys and I think the same thing happens here we see Yoel clip him a few times we might see a few takedowns but Izzy's going to recover. Izzy's going to get back to his feet, and he's going to outstrike Romero. He's going to have the better cardio output in rounds four and five, although Isra, or um, Romero's output in round three versus Costa looked great. I mean, he tends to slow down later in fights, but his output looked great. His pressure uh, in round three versus Costa was great, and he won that round. Uh, so very close fight. It's Yoel's going to be dangerous. There's a little bit of value on him at that plus 200 number. And I do not see Romero ultimately getting the victory here. I think that uh, Israel is a bit too good on the feet. He's a, a little bit a higher level in, in all aspects of striking. I think that Romero doesn't use his wrestling quite enough to outgrapple Israel here. And we eventually see uh, Israel land the harder shots in about three or four of the rounds. And he's going to win this decision here. I do see it going the distance. Uh, I'd say Romero is the biggest chance for a knockout. Maybe Romero clips Israel for an early knockout in rounds one, two, three and uh, I mean Romero is just so so durable it's hard to see Israel knocking him out I mean I know Israel's got insane power great output just knocked out Whitaker for the first time and he very well could possibly knock out Romero here but Romero has just got insane historically insane durability and I gotta favor him to go the distance here so Once again, the pick is Israel Adesanya by decision. I'm picking the champion to retain his belt here, and that is going to do it for for this uh, Martian MMA episode. Uh, Got great fights. All 12 of these fights are really good. I feel pretty good about my reads this week. Um, Looking to bet row, but have not yet. Uh, Same thing goes with Emmer's Small bet on Whitmire. haven't decided if I'm going to let it ride or not. Uh, Bets on Mearshart. Bets on Griffin. Uh, bets on madsen one unit on quinones plus 300 um, might look to bet benil darush i think there's some uh, value left at minus 165 definitely will be betting the uh, j check and no bets on the main event so far so all of my final bets will be available at my bet mma TIS page thank you to each and every listener who into the podcast as we hope you all enjoyed it hope you all enjoyed